Good afternoon, everybody out there in Internet Radio Land all around the world. This is Blake Ruby, the Reverend Blake Ruby. Welcome to my show, The Church of the Souls Evolution. Hope you had a good week. And for me, the spirituality continues to go on. I develop myself daily. It's a struggle, but I'm making progress. I wanted to read from this book for you today. It's called The Soul's Remembrance. And I want to relate a story first about when I was really getting on the path of my own soul's evolution. Back in 1992, I went to a place in San Jose, California called the Rosicrucian Museum. And if you've ever heard of the Rosicrucians before, they're a mystical that existed five years ago, back in Egypt. They're concerned about the mysticism. They're into things like astral travel, dreams, the auras of our human body. They say that Jesus was the greatest mystic of all time. Well, I went to that museum because I'd been a Rosicrucian myself and achieved maybe four degrees. And I think there's 20-some degrees that you can attain, one can attain. My mother, she was a Rosicrucian for many years of her life and achieved 22 degrees, I believe. I mean, it gets into very great detail about astral travel, helping to cure people while in astral body, you know. If you know someone who's sick, for example, you can actually sit down, leave your body, go to where they are, and heal them in some way. Some kind of and not just anyone can be a Rosicrucian and not anyone can achieve all the higher degrees. I got to number four and I thought, no, this, this isn't for me. There's a lot of rituals that you had to go through. But I was inside that building, the Rosicrucian Museum in San Jose, and I brought my camcorder my parents bought me. They paid like $900 for it. It was a huge thing. You know, nowadays, I mean, you can tape record using your telephone. But before that, they had these little Sony camcorders, you know, that you can fit in the palm of your hand. Well, this thing was huge, and I was going around the store inside the museum, photographing everything. And I came up to this book stand, and I looked through the lens of the camera, focused on this one book called Embraced by the Light. Have you ever heard of Embraced by the Light? It's by a woman named Betty Eady. I think it was published around 1991. It supposedly is the most complete and profound near-death experience ever. And I don't know about you, but I have read a lot of near-death experiences, and I've put a lot of my belief into them because these people share the same aspects of a near-death experience, you know, like traveling through a tunnel, going to a point of light in the distance, meeting 
who they say is either God, the creator, or a being of light, could be a, a woman, could be an angel, could be Jesus. They're shown around heaven, and they describe it in incredible detail, how it's so beautiful, and the colors are more intense, and, and there's no shadows anywhere. It's completely light everywhere. It's a world of light. And there are billions of people there in the spirit, you know, who lived on earth at one time in the past, throughout the centuries, from all cultures, famous people, just ordinary people, your own deceased relatives are there. And there are valleys and mountains and trees with fruit on them and the river of life that supposedly comes from the throne room of the mother and father gone. And they have chariots that are all over the place on these roadways and the roads are paved with gold and there's silver everywhere and there's precious stones everywhere and there's pearl. The walls of the, the city where the throne room is in the center of are pure pearl, just like it says in the Bible, and angels, all kinds of different angels are, are guarding it and are there. There's many types of angels. I talk about it in my book, The Gray Brain and the Golden Soul. If you haven't heard of that book, it's available in the Amazon Kindle bookstore for free. And now going on to the throne room of the mother and father God and Jesus, how would you like a throne? I'm not kidding. How would you like a throne next to theirs? It's possible if you achieve the spiritual development that is possible. Every one of us has the potential to develop ourselves incredibly spiritual-wise here on earth. And a lot of people are because we're souls. You know, our souls are eternal and they survive physical death. We continue on, but in another existence, in the spirit. The spirit resembles the physical body in many ways. It has similar characteristics, believe it or not. And heaven, like planet Earth, also it's very similar. You know, the trees, the mountains, the valleys, even oceans, seas, rivers, lakes. Countrysides, green grass. I said the grass there is so beautifully green. And you walk on it and it feels cool to the feet. And flowers, there's millions of flowers everywhere. Flowers like you've never seen before that aren't here on earth. Colors that don't exist here on earth. And everything is, guess what? Everything is praising the creator of the universe for the miracle of all creation. Because, my friends... None of this had to exist. You and I, this planet, other planets, other suns, didn't have to exist at one time, but it wasn't for the supreme creator of the universe, that incredibly powerful, omniscient being he, she is, then we wouldn't be here. Because we are part of the supreme creator's plan for growth and expansion. And there's no greater thing than growth. Don't you agree? 
We grew from babies into what we are today. I'm almost 68 years old. I was a baby at one time. You were too. We are big babies without the, the, what's the word, without the pun intended, without the, without being facetious. We are really big babies, you know? I've mentioned this before in other shows. I see people, when they get around a baby, oh, they're so beautiful. And they are, indeed, very beautiful. And I remind them, hey, we were babies at once, too. You know, and I seem to forget that. Well, beyond that forgetting is another existence. So not only will we go to heaven, we will return to heaven. But as well, we came from heaven. We had a pre-existence. The thing is that you don't remember. We don't remember because we were made to forget. Our brains were hardwired to forget where we came from. And it is talked about in that book very much in detail, The Soul's Remembrance by Roy Mills. Check it out on the internet. The Soul's Remembrance by Roy Mills. Betty Eady, in her near-death experience, she had a hysterectomy, and then she suffered internal bleeding, and she uh, was in a hospital and died. For 20 minutes, she was legally dead. And what she experienced is nothing short of fantastic, wonderfully amazing. And she was visited by some what she called her monks, her friendly monks, who are dressed like monks with these robes and cord around their midsection. And they said they knew her. They'd known her for ages, for eternity, almost. It's just, it was like a, an awakening, a remembering when she saw them. And she had left her body and went up towards the ceiling and then was drawn by some magnetic force to a, to um, down a tunnel. My wife experienced, too, in a near-death experience. So my, my wife went through the same thing, had the same experience. She saw this tunnel. It was beautiful. It was bluish color and color, and there was people in that tunnel and heading down towards the center where there was a, a light, and she was told it wasn't her time. Thank God. That was back in 2019 because I love my wife very much. And three years has gone by and it would have been, my whole life would have been changed if she passed away. And she was so close to passing away. She had her hand on the tunnel and was going down the tunnel. And a voice said, it's not your time. And that, that voice says that to a lot of people from what I've learned in my research, and I've read a lot of near-death experiences. Why? Because you can glean a lot of very valuable information about spirituality in a typical near-death experience. And they're not all the same. They very share similar characteristics, but they are different in many respects. Some of the ones that I like best are Roy... Um, besides Roy Mill, besides Betty Eady, E-A-D-I-E, and her book was on the New York Times bestseller for like 
mm, half a year, six months. So a lot of Americans out there are interested in the near-death experience, you know, because guess what? We are spirits in the material world. Our spirits in the material world. The police made that song back in the 70s. That's 1981, actually. I take that back. So 41 years has gone by since the police were brave enough to write a song and tell us people in the rock and song that we are truly spirits in the material world. So if you don't believe the police, well, then you won't believe anybody. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, Betty Eady's experience was awesome. Embraced by the light. That would be a good place to start. If you don't believe in near-death experiences, guess what? You could have one, too, and it will change your mind. 100%. Change your spiritual direction 180 degrees. And sometimes you don't have a choice. You know, our lives are very fragile, day to day. Our hearts, independently of our wills, you know. They say that the heart has an expiration date. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's the way it is. So we have to be intelligent about this and, and prepare, just like you prepare for a cruise like in a couple of months, you might slowly want to begin packing and you have to make sure you have a passport and you've got to get your airplane tickets to fly wherever you're going to go or you're going to drive wherever you're going to go. You have to put in leave at work. Well, just like that, you have to prepare for heaven too, you know, the spiritual world, the spirit lands, heaven, the world on fire. You know, because the spirit lives in fire. The spirit can survive in fire because the spirit is made of light energy. You have to look at this intelligently and understand what I mean by that, you know. So this book that I'm going to read from is called The Soul's Remembrance by Roy Mills. I'm going to read two parts. The first part is Betty Eady. She knew Roy Mills, and she does the foreword. And then I'm going to go to a chapter after that called The Pinnacle of Heaven where it describes that we all were given a mission before coming to Earth. And again, Roy's mission was to tell people that we existed before we were born, only that we were made to forget, because that is the nature of this world. However, like, again, learn or understand where you came from. All that is open to the developing mind and soul, you have the ability, I have the ability to delve into those things which really aren't secret, if you will, because that's all part of spirituality. So just Boyd Mills was given that gift to know that he existed before he was born, the soul's remembrance, also you can achieve that too. Time is now. Time is always right for spiritual development of a very special kind, my friends. To develop your soul, I guarantee you, I promise you, you won't regret it. You don't, you don't want the opposite of getting to there one day in the future, hopefully far into the future, where you're going to be very regretful and remorseful for not having known better not having done some things you could have done, should have done, 
So the time is always right for spiritual development, especially in a world that's filled with war and killing and fighting that's still going on today. You know, the value of life has increased over the centuries, no doubt, from when Jesus walked this earth, Jesus who died on the cross, over the centuries, the value of life has increased. Even still, being in the Army, active duty in the Army for 22 years, I went to some other countries around the world, like Turkey, Venezuela, and Germany, and Korea. And I could tell that the United States is really above and beyond those countries when it comes to the value of life. It's respected more here in the United States. We have a lot of great, decent, family-oriented people here in the United States, beautiful people, incredibly intelligent people. And all over the world, too. I'm not demeaning those countries, other countries. I'm just saying the United States is the cream of the crop. And we were blessed when our founding fathers started the United States, they were spoken to, just like the writers of the Bible were inspired. They were spoken to because they envisioned a country where in freedom, men and women in freedom, where they would have free will and not have their free will imposed, restricted by other people. Because imposing your will upon another person is wrong, my friends. Just like what's going on right now in Ukraine, you can't kill people. Imposing your will upon them, taking their life with the permission of the Creator. Only the Creator can take away life, except if it was an accident, you know. But willingly, knowingly, take away life, that's only the Creator's right to do that. And I would have thought, after all we've been through, with a couple of world wars and the Korean War and the Vietnam War and Desert Storm and the Iraq War and the Afghanistan War. We really can't judge anyone, can we? Yes, Americans, you know, because not us personally, but there's a lot of people out there that war machine keeps going, you know. You've heard all about the war machine. The military-industrial complex. It's all about money. Make no mistake about that. A lot of things are. A lot of religion is all about money, too, where the only real concerns are power and authority and money. So all the strides, great progress we made over the centuries, and here we go back again to killing innocent men and women and children, old women being killed there in Ukraine, our brothers and sisters in spirit. And Russian soldiers, too. Well, how many? Last number I heard was 28,000 killed. That concerns me. I'm concerned about their souls, too. You know, they have families. They're only told, only doing what they were told to do, you know, as a soldier, especially under Putin. There's no option to refuse once you've enlisted in the army. You can't desert. You can't go AWOL. Because they kill you in the United States anyway. At least you'll have a trial. There they execute deserters. And so we made all that progress. 
we thought we were on the right path. You know, getting less and less into the killing mode. Even though I'm not too happy about what happened in Afghanistan, all the drone strikes we used to call in on some of the Afghans. We take out a lot of innocent civilians, and that was just a few short years ago. It might still be going on today. So that value of life, you know, is increasing, but then we make seems like three steps forward, two steps back. That's what happens when you have a lot of people in this world with most of the money. They're making the decisions. And they're not concerned about our spirituality or our welfare. You know, the Constitution says we, the people, the welfare of the people should be the primary thing on the minds of politicians, but instead their competition is the number one thing. Am I right or am I right? So they're in violation of the Constitution. And I'm not too happy at the way things are going right now with inflation and gas prices. We can do better. And we have that responsibility every two years and every four years for electing a president who will help us out and do the right thing. And I love everybody, don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering if Mr. Trump had stayed president, if we'd still have a war, no one could say 100% for certain yes or no, because they can't look into their crystal ball and determine that. But I'll gladly take Mr. Trump back with all his language, shall I say, vulgar language, um, unkind, mean language, calling people crazy morons. The gas prices would have stayed low because I know a lot of people are hurting. And a lot of Americans are probably doing without. They don't have a, didn't have a lot of money anyway because of the pandemic. And now we've got inflation and, and soaring gas prices. I mean, what on earth is going on, you know? We have the means to be dependent, energy independent, not dependent on foreign oil. But it seems like some people in power are making choices which cut off our energy independence by not allowing some pipelines, etc. Well, I can understand about looking after the environment, but what about people's pocketbooks? What's more important? You know, me, what about me? Do I like pain? for gas that's $2 more than it used to be three years ago. Two years ago, even, it was like forty or $2, you know, back when Mr. Trump was president. Anyway, enough about that. Now back to the book. I'm going to read the foreword from Betty Eady, who had her own great near-death experience. Just an incredible story. Embraced by the light. I would recommend it for reading. And also, this book here is The Soul's Remembrance. So let me start by reading Betty Eady's part and that other chapter that I mentioned to you. Hold on, please. And 
by the way, uh, I was saying that I found that book when I was in the Rosicrucian Museum. And I just so happened to be with that camcorder on my shoulder and going around on that book. Now, some people might say it's a coincidence, but it was more than that. I was led to that. That was the first book I read about near-death experiences. And over the years afterwards, I read many, many, many more. So I probably could get a Ph.D. on near-death experiences if there was such a thing, you know. And that led me into studying extraterrestrial phenomena, alien abduction, and which is really a good thing because most of them are not the the violent type who experiment on humans and hurt them in some way. But the other types are the ones who take them places and are talking to them and telling them about who we are as humans and where we came from and what the universe is about and the creation and everything that ensued after the Big Bang and the simple mission of the creator and all the forces involved with the creation of the universe, etc. So anyway, here's this book, The Soul's Remembrance. I never tie message of God's unconditional love. I have witnessed firsthand its power, and I know that to perfectly describe it is impossible. Understanding this, however, I also recognize an honest attempt to put into words from one who has been there. Roy Mill's book, The Soul's Remembrance, is such an attempt. It deeply touched my heart. Since my near-death experience, my driving passion has been to share God's true nature and love with all who will listen. So when Roy Mills contacted me and began relating memories of heaven that he attained from before his birth, my spirit listened. I can be skeptical at times, but Roy's words touched me so deeply that I knew he truly remembered events from his pre-mortal life. He shared details that I had been shown during my near-death experience, things that I'd never related publicly. Everything has a time, and I knew that the right time for sharing these truths was not when I wrote of my experiences. But I also knew now, in talking with Roy, that the right time had come. So I encouraged to write his experience not knowing that God ever told him to do so. Later, I agreed to endorse Roy's book because I knew the comfort and reassurance his message could bring to many who are struggling to understand spiritual origins and missions on earth. However, after repeated submissions of his manuscript, he could not find a publisher. Their reasoning was that spirituality was a dying fad. Right. But I knew with the purest knowing that his book had to be published. So I knelt in prayer and asked God to give me wisdom, to help me understand the feelings that had driven me to help Roy, and all the knowledge I had that his book should go to the world. It should not have surprised me then, when the answer came loud and clear. I was to publish it. Would this simply be an act of faith on my part? or a mission of its own. 
The truth was, I didn't know. But it made no difference. What I learned was that Roy's message and memories had to reach the world, and I was willing to attempt that responsibility. I knew little of publishing, even though two of my own books had been published. But I trusted that God would provide a means, and of course, God did. I found a publishing company using my Native American name, Ojajinka, and prepared to continue the work I care so deeply about, sharing God's love. Soul's Remembrance is a powerful book. This message adds a witness to the great plan of God to sustain and encourage us in our paths back to Him, her. Because for God is the male and female, the supreme creator, and the co-creator gods of solar systems are mothers and fathers God, gods. Just like what we are. We are co-creator gods in the making, my friends. Going through that process of reincarnation one life after another. I would venture to say that many of you out there have had several near several lives in your past that you don't know about, can't remember about right now, because that's what the nature of this planet is about. It's a forgetting so that you can concentrate on other things like basic social values and developing yourself spiritually. You get a lot of spiritual development here on Earth. And what I've learned, this planet is a jewel in the universe, and it's a very hard school of learning in the university of the universe. People come here, are born into this world, because as I mentioned, you do have a pre-existence. This planet is chosen because not only because of its beauty and the life, the abundance of life here, but because... It has many challenges to include many ways to die, many ways that you can be killed here on this planet by Mother Nature, lightning, storms, earthquakes, volcanoes exploding, tsunamis, and then there's many animals here that can kill you because they're at the top of the food chain, you know, especially in the ocean. And reptiles and spiders, and there's lots of ways a human being can be killed here on Earth. And so add that along with traveling dangerous highways and many thousands of people are killed. You know, we can't close our eyes and deny that that's happening. You know what I mean. Let me continue on reading. Roy's memories help us understand the purposes of life and our own free will in choosing the events we experience on Earth. He also sheds light on the absolute need of compassion for those among us who are challenged in many ways. With his unique insights, Roy reveals the purpose those individuals serve and what is full love and respect. In Roy's trials, we learn how the hosts of heaven, under the direction of God, Help us to endure all things, regardless of adversity or strife. Through Roy's eyes, we see that we are never alone, but are attended by angels who delight in serving and helping us. Don't forget that, my friends. There's angels everywhere. We just can't see them. And birds, too. A couple of birds just flew, flew by and landed on the fence. 
They want us to know that they are earth angels. Birds are. They're concerned about our welfare. They love us. And they see us. And they try to help us. I've always thought birds are earth angels. Because they're like the real angels. They can fly. And there's so many of them, too. So many different types of birds. About 10,000 different varieties, types on our planet. Isn't that amazing? Each beautifully created with different colored feathers, just different colors altogether. Isn't the creator of the universe awesome? We're creating so much different life here on Earth. And you know elsewhere also, the universe is teeming with life. One has to reach a level of intelligence when you realize that. Einstein realized it. You know, you can just say, if you wonder what I mean, all this life on Earth. If it happened by accident, logically it could happen by accident elsewhere in the universe, anywhere in the universe. But if there is a creator, the supreme creator who initiated the Big Bang, then obviously, logically, that creator, if he should have the power and the knowledge to create this life on earth, logically, that creator would have the power and knowledge to create life anywhere in the universe. Anywhere. And I do mean anywhere. Roy remembers that a part of his mission is to share these memories to awaken heaven is the home we came from and the home, the place of light, love, and beauty that we will return to. This book is the answer to many prayers as it teaches the simple, beautiful truths of God's plans for us. This is something we will all want to learn, to share in fullness. Lately, I've been changing everywhere where it says God's love, His love. I changed it to His, Her, because the creator of the universe, my friends, I know, I can't say I believe, you're entitled to your opinion, but I'll tell you that I know that Supreme Creator is both male and female, just like angels are. And we are co-creator gods in the making. And when we die from this existence, when we transition to the spirit lands, our soul's journey will continue. After a brief stay in heaven, probably, believe when I say brief, you know, there's no time in heaven, but it could be a certain amount of time, and then you want to continue your soul's development on another planet in the universe. And don't you know, there's a lot of suns out there in the universe. Just take a look at some pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope. There are millions, and of course, each separate system, usually having nine planets. Number nine is the number of the universe, my friends. Anyway, I'm going to just eat some food here really quickly. Uh-oh, there's a fly. I think a fly landed there. Maybe I can continue on here without being too hungry. So I'm going to fast forward in this book to a place called Chapter... Well, it doesn't actually show the chapter. It's called The Pinnacle of Heaven on page 130. We come to this world to gain experience and to grow in the spirit. But we are also here to complete a mission 
that God himself or herself, very early in my pre-birth training, before I had looked into the life books or chosen my life experience or met some of my future family and friends, I was taken to an extremely large auditorium, larger than a grand stadium. My guide led me across the most exquisite floor I'd ever seen. It was made of a lustrous material I had never seen before. The floor didn't glow to some of the others, as some of the others I'd seen. Just turn pages. Room lit, and I could see. After leaving this beautiful floor. She told me not to move from that spot, and then she left. Some angels in heaven, friend, will continue. What I understand from my research are more female than male. Others are more male and female, but they're androgynous. They're both male and female. Now, I could be wrong. There might be some angels that are strictly female or others that are strictly male. I'm not sure about that. Continuing on, my guide had not told me why I was being white, but she seemed very excited. There were many angels inside bustling about, and they all shared in the excitement. As I looked around, I saw that this section of the auditorium faced a large elevated platform that was several feet higher than the area where I was standing. A very large, pure white chair sat in the center of the raised floor, a few feet back from the edge. The chair was simple in design, but very impressive. It glowed with a powerful, pure white light. It was then that I realized I was in the throne room and that I was waiting in the area where the audience of souls was to stand before the Spirit Father. Also, I think... Those are for the predominantly male spirits, but also the predominantly female spirits. That is me and we're already waiting in the but soon the air begins to fill up as angel guides began escorting other little spirits to their designated spots eventually there were thousands of us standing shoulder to shoulder in front of the throne area and the room was charged with an air of great anticipation of souls was a symbol, an incredibly broad sphere of light appeared at one side of the area. Following behind an escort of high-ranking angels, those with more authority and responsibility in heaven, sang in glorious voices as the sphere of light moved across the floor and came Looking at the light was like seeing the sun from only a few yards away. 
but it didn't burn my eyes, though it was infinitely brighter than the noonday sun. It was the most brilliant, pure, magnificent light ever seen. It was the source of all lights in heaven and elsewhere, the Spirit Father God himself. There were between 30 and 40 angels in the escort, and they were very tall and wore beautiful robes of varying color. Some wore white or crimson robes trimmed in gold. Some wore blue trimmed in red, and others wore gold trimmed in white. When the Spirit Father took his place on the throne, they stayed at a respectful distance of about 25 feet to his right side. There were two other high-ranking angels present. They were tall and very powerful-looking and stood at each end of the throne area in front of the gathering of little spirits. There must have been very special angels. These must have been very special angels because they shone with the light that was so intense that the angels looked as if they were engulfed in flames, like the burning bush that Moses saw. The flames burned brightly, but didn't consume them. But the brightest light by far came from God. He sat on the throne. The aura of was so intense that all I could see were his forearms and hands and the lower half of his legs and feet. An indescribable feeling of absolute love that filled the auditorium. Upon his arrival... And all the little spirits began to sing and shout and jump into the air. The sight of God sitting on his throne with his angels' attendance was a to be told. Never had I seen such pure light or felt such unconditional love through me. To be in the spirit of his presence filled us all with a joy we could hardly contain. We were all ecstatic and as close to him as we and soon the entire audience of spirits surged towards the throne. As I was swept along in the tidal wave of love, we to calm down and return to our places. It was very hard for us little spirits to remain quiet in the presence of our Creator, but a hush finally fell over and we waited with great for what would come next. At long last, the father raised his right hand and did a spirit, calling him by name. Immediately, the spirit was engulfed in great light. He was brought forward, and as he stood in front of the elevated throne area, God spoke to him about his upcoming life and mission would be. All the while, the little spirit glowed with a wonderful light. He floated up into the air, where he hung suspended for a short while before gently floating back down. When the Spirit Father had finished talking to him, he was escorted from the auditorium to begin his pre-birth education. All of us cheered as he left the room because we were very excited about his future life and the mission God had given him. When the next little spirit was called, he was engulfed in the ball of light just as the first spirit. God discussed his upcoming early life 
and gave him his mission for the entire audience of souls to hear. It quickly became clear to me that there are no second-class spirits or second-class missions. I love all of us with the same unconditional love. His work is important, and we are all involved in his work. As I stood in the audience, I understood that the other spirits were a part of me, and I was a part of them. All our lives were interwoven, each soul touching every other soul, and everyone connected to the Father and to the missions that he planned for us. We were bound together by spirit to experience earth life, and that bond was cemented with unconditional love. As the second little spirit was escorted out, we all rejoiced for his life and mission, because we knew it would bless everyone and glorify God. After he left, we all again grew quiet. I was standing near the front of the audience and slightly to the right, anxiously awaiting to see who would be called next. When the Spirit Father raised his hand this time, I was surprised to see him point at me. He called me by, he called me by a name that was given to me many eons ago. Then I found myself surrounded by a huge glowing light, almost as if I were inside a bubble. I felt a surge of pure energy and joy, and God instructed me to approach the stage. The first two spirits that had been called had gone no further than the edge of the waiting area. And I levitated up over the edge of the stage. The angel then set me on my feet about eight feet from the throne of God. I still could not see into the bright light that surrounded the Spirit Father, but I was filled with awe and bursting with love as I felt his tremendous love flow through me again. I was stunned to find myself standing so close to God, but I felt honored and privileged. I was always a somewhat independent and outspoken spirit. And I had decided to ask God for a specific mission. I never considered myself better than the others, but I wanted a greater challenge, and I also wanted to do whatever might please the Father, no matter what I had to experience to get it done. So when my turn came, I boldly asked him if I could have a certain mission. God knew, of course, I was going to ask even before I asked, and that is why he had brought me right in front of him. Father, I'd like to remember heaven when I go to earth so I can tell people about it and help them learn of you. He smiled and nodded, and we began to discuss my mission. After he'd spoken to me for a while, the Spirit Father turned to the angels and told them, that I had volunteered to take the message of our pre-birth existence to the earth. It had been a long time since the message had been sent to the world, and I would be one of only a few people who would ever come to earth and remember heaven after being born. God informed the angels that he was going to allow me to remember this experience in the throne room and asked if any of them objected. Only one seemed upset about it, and he stepped forward to register his objection. 
God listened to what he had to say, but he granted my request anyway. Before leaving heaven, all spirits are given a mission by God to accomplish while on earth. This mission is given to us in the Father's throne room, because it is one of the most important lessons for us to teach or to learn in our mortal lives. All missions are positive and involve giving something of ourselves without expecting anything in return. Its main purpose is to create greater spiritual love for us all. Whether that means helping someone who actually returns our love, or reaching out to someone whose spirit may be smothered by earthbound thinking, and who may resent our love. Everyone has the love of God in their heart, even if it's buried so deep that it is hard to see or feel. And our missions are always meant to increase the love in our own hearts as well as in the hearts of others. With each mission that is successfully accomplished, the amount of love of God in the world increases. A mission can be very short, or it could take a lifetime, and some people are given more to carry out. Some spirits are sent here to be spiritual teachers or good stewards of the earth or caregivers. Others are sent to be healers or artists or helpers. Many are sent to be good parents or friends. There are all kinds of missions, and they're all unique. No two people have the exact same one. And they are all important, for God does not bestow insignificant missions. Whether he sends us here to take care of one child or to change the world, each and every mission is noble and valuable. They are important to God because God himself designed them to serve a great purpose. Some people become so earthbound in their thinking that they use their free will to ignore their mission after they're born. They get so lost on a different path, looking for peace and happiness in all the wrong places, that they wind up not doing what they came here to do. Other people look at their own lives and wonder if they are doing what God has asked of them. They wonder if they somehow missed their mission. The angels taught me that when we feel dissatisfied or restless or empty, our spirit is trying to tell us that we have strayed from the course God laid out for us. Those are the times when we need God's guidance the most. If we ask for direction and stay open to the answer, no matter what it is, God's Spirit will lead us back where we belong. All we have to do is listen to our inner spirit, which recognizes and promotes feelings of peace when we are correctly directed. Feelings of joy and contentment are the fruits of doing God's will, and our spirit helps us feel and know our choices are right. It won't always tell us what our mission is, but it will lead us in the right direction, and that's enough for any of us. Anything that gives us true happiness and purpose is part of our mission, and we only need to follow our hearts from there. After giving me my mission, the Spirit Father stood up and walked over to me. His light was so bright that I could still see only his hands and legs. He spoke to me and said, I am going to allow you to see me. With his right hand pointing toward the audience of souls and his left hand pointing at me, the Spirit 
father explained to the little spirit what was happening. And he allowed me to see into his light, and I saw him. We are and straight. He was powerful looking and very tall, much taller than the average man. The robe he wore shone with a pure white light, and he wore no shoes. There was a neat fringe of white hair around his head, and a crown of light suspended above his head. His face was very kind and loving, yet strong and marked with authority. As I stared at him, I was filled with awe and humility, but I also felt safe and very loved. He began reviewing my upcoming life on Earth, and we discussed many things I would experience, the same thing I would later see in the life books. After a police he said, you have a good heart, and the world needs all the good hearts you can get. Then his light became so bright that all I could see were his shoulders, neck, and face. Everything else, the angels, the audience of souls, everything in the auditorium was blotted out. I felt as if I were alone with God, completely focused only on the Creator. There are no words to describe what I felt at that moment. At one point... I became concerned about a particular event we were discussing, and I asked if he could help me with it when the time came. I must have sounded as though I had some doubt about his power and love for me because his reply was swift and to the point. He fixed me with his gaze and said, Don't you believe I'm capable of delivering you? I immediately apologized and told him that I did believe. He told me that if I was ever in need, I should call on him. He told me that Jesus died so that I could return to heaven. And he said these things with strength and authority, but also with love. The power and love that I felt from him in that moment are still with me to this day and have seen me through many dark and difficult times. Whenever I feel depressed or low, I recall his words and promise to me, the same words and promise he makes to everyone. And his power and love are more than sufficient to carry me through. He can deliver us from anything, even death itself. That is part of the promise he makes to all of us before we are born, and he keeps it more times than we know. When the Spirit Father finished talking to me, he turned and called for an angel to escort me took me by the arm, lifted me into the air, and we drifted away from the throne. As we traveled slowly by the heads of the audience of souls, about my conversation with God, and I felt tremendous love flowing from it. Well, there's a little bit left, but I've got one minute, my friend, so I hope you enjoyed that. Souls Remembrance by Roy Mills is the book. It developed you spiritually like it did me, I think. Until next week, here's my prayer. May the supreme creator of the universe bless us all, everyone, all of his, her children. Help stop war, please, creator. Help stop war and let there be peace. I love you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.